0: Now, in the banks, right, there's a sort of similar story because you have such high targets and there's always this thing like, okay, this new product, very good for revenue.
1: Mm-hmm. Advisors
0: must break the egg. Now, what is break the eggs? Because my advisors come from banks, right, come from this culture. Break the egg means cannot be zero. Right. You die-die must sell some of this. If you don't sell, right, they call you back on weekends and make you do calling and all that. Like They find they do a lot of things that they can't, cause them to cannot sleep at night.
1: You're listening to the Building Financial Fitness Podcast, the show where personal finance is about the person, not just the numbers. Here on BFF, we talk about how to make money your best friend so that you can have the freedom to make the most out of life. We go through the honest discussions about money so that you don't need to make the same mistakes. We demystify jargon so that no one can smoke you with complicated acronyms. After all, money's greatest value is to give us control over our time which is truly our greatest asset. I'm your host, Junus Yu. Welcome back to the Building Financial Fitness podcast. This is Junus, and our topic today is about what you need to know before you top up your CPF. And today we have a very special guest, Chun Ting, who is the CEO and CIO of Money Owl, an NTUC social enterprise which describes itself as Singapore's first bionic advisors augmented by tech platforms. So welcome to the show. I know we first met quite recently at the wonderful CPF Interest New Year's Eve countdown party. Yes,
0: there wasn't a countdown. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there was there was There's a, a countdown, but there was no CPF interest. <laughs> exactly, because the CPF site was down in the wee hours of the countdown period. But that aside, tell us more about your story apart from your current role at Money Owl.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me here, uh Junior the funny thing about this role is that I would never imagine myself in it mm. uh, because I never set out to be a finance professional. I'm actually an art student, a humanities student. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first degree was in uh, history and then I did a second one in Chinese language and culture. Mm. No, Typically not supposed to know how to count one. I actually went on in uh, a, a MINDEF scholarship mm. to do my degree in the UK. And so when I came back, I served the government for eight years. The last time the bond was like eight years, you know, for, for overseas. So I, I sort of, I would say that accidentally fell into investing because after I worked for about nine years, I was rather burnt out. So I thought I'd take a year out. Mm. Uh, and around that time, my husband also took the year out But he had some management shares from the IPO of the company he was working for, Banyan Tree mm-hmm. uh, And uh, so he had some management shares And didn't know what to do with shares And you know, being the kind of like studying type I said, yeah, since I'm free, let's go and study CFA on my own <laughs> So, <Wow. laughs> I don't know whether that's a very typical way But you know, and while I was at the exam I met an ex-colleague also, and he was doing his level two and he said what are you doing he said not doing anything but what about coming to work said, okay now this was 2007 mm. it was the eve of the global financial crisis but at that time the market was still quite hot yeah. so fund managers were all like you know changing jobs and all that mm. so one thing led to another and they gave me a chance to say that okay see whether, whether you can do that and then that's how I started uh, at Lion Global Investors mm-hmm. um, and they said you're rookie right so Do global banks, very stable ones, Citibank, you know, Goldman, uh, Lehman and all these very stable ones, very good for you. Uh, And of course, (laughs) you know, that was a ringside seat and also like having to swim in in the the deep, Mm. Uh, especially it was the fixed income structured credit, which is the CDO team, you know, the the, the, the eye of the storm. Mm. But I learned a lot that went to the macro strategy side. After that, I sort of got a little bit bored. So I was contacted a friend. Because after crisis, when no crisis, it was very boring. Right? Yep. Uh, then they said, hey, why you come and join NTUC? I was like, don't want. NTUC is like government. And it's like, it just it got out, right? And then it's like, too boring, right? They said, no, no, no uh, NTUC is actually doing uh, social business. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, that's interesting. And after a long while, I... I went over to NTUC Enterprise which is the HQ and I was doing a kind of like looking after some capital management but then uh, NTUC Enterprise uh, had a project to think about financial advice for uh, the ordinary Singaporean, mm. uh, how it can be done better mm. uh, to so that there's greater confidence, greater retirement and adequacy. And they ask, me, hey, you come and lead this uh, project team. Mm. Afterwards, they say, okay, why don't you, should we set up a company and can you lead it? So then, I sort of, having no entrepreneurial bone in my body whatsoever, I fell into so founding this company in which I don't own a single share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's supposed to be lah, startup, la, it, in a sense, it is, but it's also owned by big corporate. Uh, mm. Right. And, and the, I'm an employee, but a f- founder nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, so that's where I am.
1: <laughs> so I actually agree with Money Owl's slogan about being wise about money. I like the approach that is about having a sensible and balanced outlook and not chasing money for the sake of it. Money Owl looks to optimize cash and CPF, but also offers conflict free. Financial advisory services, right, and and conflict free is something that you know is not synonymous, you know, especially when there's commissions involved. So, can you tell us a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, uh, allow me some time to sort of unpack this because it's a sensitive topic and quite a difficult to- topic. Uh, but conflict here refers to the conflict of interest between an advisor's own interest and a client's interest, I identify generally two types of conflict. And the first one is what I call compensation-based conflict. And this was the primary conflict that Money Hour was set up to try to address. Mm. And this happens when an advisor earns commissions from products and there lies a sort of temptation to try to push products or sell products that will pay him more yeah. even if it's not the most suitable or even necessary for the client. Mm-hmm. Now I want to be quite clear I'm not saying that all commission agents or advisors are bad people right <laughs> so that you know people don't throw stone at my office right? but the fact is that commissions do create this conflict of interest MAS uh Life Insurance Association and other associations will recognise this. And so, a lot of regulation is about mitigating and controlling it. Mm-hmm. So, on the investment side is also, right, if I sell an active fund, uh, expense ratio of 2%, I get 1%, right? Then I get, of course, I get my rep fee, which is independent of the fund, another 1%. So, if I don't sell the one with trailer commission, right, from the expense ratio... Then I get half less law, you know. So it's actually not easy. It's actually very real and it's a terrible dilemma because I'm pitting your own economic interest and your family's sort of livelihood and standard living Mm -hmm. against the interest of the client. So is it what the advisors thought though? Uh, No, because actually the product providers don't help in this dilemma. They also want to earn premiums. It's revenue. Every company wants to earn revenues. Every management wants to earn revenue. So there are these uh, so-called independent financial advisors, IFA. The difference is that IFA uh, can carry different insurance products, for example. And go do investments, but the let's uh, say tight agency force. If your income, they only sell income products, your are their products. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's not so simple because the idea is that IFA can compare different products and give you the best. But you know, insurance sometimes they want to push certain products, mm-hmm. and they want to they will incentivize this product. You know, uh, and the incentives are the commissions, maybe higher incentives actual cash payments for selling that product and uh,
1: incentive overseas
0: trips and, and uh, junkets like that.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I think like, you know, uh, another analogy in the medical world is when doctors push certain drugs over the other, right, because of the kickbacks that they get. Yeah, mm-hmm. or just because it's like high quantum. And yeah. I'm not
0: sure if, if people know about these things, that where their premiums actually go to. Mm. Um, I was quite disappointed and it's probably quite a disgraceful situation given how advanced Singapore is in its, you know, finance industry. Hmm. Uh, so one insurer I will name who actually didn't want to let money out of distribute products because, you know, we have a comparator on our website. Mm-hmm. We compare different companies' products because they say that this is not the lowest cost. And on top of that, uh, unlike pe- other people, they can't come and tam with us and say, I pay you more incentive than you give the deal to me. La. You know, even they, they can't. They can't. We can't. They, Yo, they do. They, do they, they, right? they say that other people do because they can influence the decision. Mm. Now I was quite shocked to hear this because certainly you can't really say that, right? But that is how the situation in Singapore is, right? Mm. Uh, and that's the way that it has been so. And in the last decade or so, what's worse that these so-called independent FAs have been bought up by insurers. So insurers actually become majority or even total owner. So it's really not independent, right? Because you are tied to the insurer. It's like back to square one. Mm-hmm. Um, now in the banks, right, there's a sort of similar story because you have such high targets and there's always this thing like, okay, this new product, very good for revenue.
1: Mm-hmm. Advisors
0: must break the egg. Now, what is break the eggs? Because my advisors come from banks, right? Come from this culture. Break the egg means cannot be zero. You, Daidai, must sell some of this. If you don't sell right, they call you back on weekends and make you do calling and all that. Like they find they do a lot of things that they can't cause them to cannot sleep at night. Right. So so this is the whole ecosystem and the net result is that people actually don't trust our advisors. Advisors are meant to be professional, advise you on something important. It's a noble cause. Mm-hmm. They're more like salesmen. So will run away, and always say, advisor, I don't want to talk to you. Mm. And this is a sad situation for everyone, really. Yep. And not just for clients who then shy away from financial planning, uh, but also for the uh, industry. And that's where Money Hour hopes to change that for everyone's benefit. Mm, yeah, Got it. But the conflict actually can be also very subtle and I, I sort of want to talk about second type of conflict because mm-hmm. I say there are two types. Mm. And I don't know how to name this, but it tends to operate in the VC-funded space mm. of uh, startup fintechs. Yep. Maybe call it the growth at all cost conflict or the sort of exit motivator conflict or whatever because as you know, mm. uh, startups have to raise a lot of capital and growth is always the one that's involved, right? Yep. And But it's very subtle because on the surface, uh, fintechs seem to be solving the conflict of interest Due to compensation and and high costs, because in fact most fintech uh, involved in financial advice, they do not take commissions in their salaries, mm. uh, and they actually even lower costs. Now, this is really, really a good thing in itself, right? There's no no, no about it. But because the ultimate goal of the company shareholder is to grow, right, yes. and to get more funding, get higher valuation, maybe exit, maybe IPO, maybe buy GCB. <laughs> You know, then mm. it's so you tend to be extremely aggressive yep. in persuading clients to do things that, again, may not be necessary, may not be their best interest, and borders on not being fully honest, mm. um, In the investment space, this the classic method is actually again a promise high returns and low risk, right? right. uh, You can say these are the historical returns, but the period to express these returns makes a very, very big difference. Yep. Yeah. Or you focus on short-term performance. I've seen advertisements say, oh, you no, know, I invested in so-and-so portfolios and I made 20% over six months, you know. So that is very, very aggressive. There's also quite a number of portfolios out there known as so-called cash solutions. Mm -hmm. The term cash is actually used and is marketed as alternatives to bank interest rates. Uh, Most of these are money market or bond funds that come with credit risk. It has emerging market bonds, Chinese real estate bonds and all that. But I really don't think it's right to call emerging market that that comes with credit risk cash. I think finally, the thing that I don't like, and because you mentioned CPF, about one of the things that we are very passionate about CPF, right, is that we built our proprietary analyzer with CPF to give people uh, the uh, sense of what they can get from CPF life's own innate compounding power. Mm. So many people build CPF projectors now, I, I think probably because following us. Uh, but the message behind it, is actually to say CPI is not good enough, uh, and they should be invested or something like that, you know. And there's even one advertisement say, if AY sets for two point five percent, you can get nine percent as the risk when you know the the risk it's is really different versus something else. So it's not comparable. And but you know people get enticed. But uh, happily, I think it only happened sometime. Then it didn't get repeated like, uh, Maybe there was some objection. Yeah. So I just find uh, uh, these are some of the more subtle. Uh, conflicts of interest that Mm -hmm. come about because in this case they have to grow right you know just as the compensation-based conflict is because they have to eat (laughs) so uh, so lastly i find um so it's just too much packaging too much bells and and whistles like you know
1: so how does money hour mitigate this conflict of interest like we spoke a lot about these two different kinds of uh, conflicts yeah so for compensation-based conflict well are uh, we
0: re- remove it by having salaried advisors, right? Because then you don't have to make that choice between taking bringing home the bacon and and uh, giving being a professional. Mm. So for insurance, what we do is uh, we still take the commission, but we retain it at the firm level. And it's not given to advisors at all. Hmm. So the advisor can then advise on low cost solutions without uh, conflict. Mm-hmm. So, this is the first uh, level of benefit from our model. Now, I want to just say because there are people who object and said, oh, but surely your advisors cannot, like, don't sell anything and still keep their jobs. Now, that is true because social enterprise is not, not a charity, right? So, I will, I will say, and without being coy about it, that our advisors are salespeople their performance is also assessed, at least in part, based upon sales. Uh, Because also, it's a concept of what selling is in in advice. Selling, if you just give people advice or analysis, right, and you don't persuade them to take the action that's good for them, then actually you're not making an impact. Mm. And if you are consistent about giving the right kind of advice, or offering the right kind of solutions, and actually the more you do, the more good you do, right? If, if that is uh if you're consistent about that. Uh, we also have a very strong check because our insurance philosophy is open for all to see. We always say we advocate term insurance with a comparator and all that. And for money hours, we have a centralized solutions team. You cannot say one advisor recommends this, another advisor uh, recommends that. So we that's not allowed. Mm. So that's why with this, we, we tend to be very strong advocates of, of term insurance. We sell a lot of term insurance. Mm. Now it's not that whole. Life or cash plans we are bad, you know, it's just there is a place of whole life.
1: Mm-hmm. And when
0: it comes to retirement income insurance that supplements CPF life, there's a very large uh, role for certain groups. Uh, but the only thing we don't sell is ILPs, uh, insurance link funds, yep. just Don't think it makes sense, too expensive and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but this is how we take away compensation-based conflict, so you get the right advice. That is your first benefit. Mm. Now the second benefit you have, remember how I said that advisors have to go around hunting and prospecting. It's a big part of the effort and one of the yes. most really difficult. So what we do is we do centralised digital and also word of mouth marketing. Mm. So we take that burden away from advisors which tends to be the most important or most difficult part uh, of of being a financial advisor Mm -hmm. uh, a financial advisor rep. So because they don't have to do that, we don't have to compensate advisors for hunting. Mm -hmm. We can rebate part of the what usually goes to the advisor, that com- uh, the the commission, back to the client. And this is what we do, maybe we, we about 50% of the advisor's commission. And so this further lowers your, your outlay. And so this is like a second benefit from the money hour model. Mm. Now, what about this? They say, oh, but money hour, you still take the commission at the firm level, right? So still got conflict. Now, we examine this thing about whether we should be totally fee only. say you come for insurance advice, right? pay mm-hmm. me whatever, like $100 to $200, right? Then, whether you you buy or don't buy is another thing, right? Mm-hmm. But the conclusion actually is that it's not in the interest of mass market to pursue this. Mm. Two reasons. La. Firstly, it's actually too convoluted. People don't understand this kind of pricing. Our sister company, Provident, actually tried that in the early 2000s. And people just could to understand what do you mean by... You pay a fee, then you rebate part of it, or if it's lower than the commission, and as a result, uh, that it doesn't take off. And we don't want to we want to simplify things for clients. We don't want to uh, make it difficult. And really, for mass market clients, right? You you need to cover fixed salary costs, right? You have to be paying like thousands, you know, mm. before it's, it's worthwhile. Then the second reason is that we've looked at markets that have banned commission: mm-hmm. UK, India, Australia. But the net result is that advisors don't bother with you know, lower middle or lower income. Mm. They just go for high net worth and affluent who have a lot of money to invest yeah. because they can charge fees on that. Mm. And then it backfires, right? And being a social enterprise, then that is really counterproductive. Yes. Yeah, um, And that's why we choose this most optimal model that helps us to uh, take away the conflict from the advisor and serve the uh, broad public. Mm-hmm. As for the aggressive marketing VC type of conflict, well, we just don't do those things I mentioned. No? So we don't proliferate products. It goes simplicity. Mm-hmm. So we just find you the best solution. We stick to a market-based investment philosophy. It actually hurts us in our marketing because like, you don't have very much variety and all that. But I think it's the right thing to do too. And I am quite sure over time, our clients and will appreciate this approach. Uh, and then I think that will, that will be win-win in the long term.
1: Yeah, I mean, how is is word of mouth working right now?
0: Yeah, I I think the reality is that uh, marketing and advertising works, Mm. right? So Yeah, uh, I mean,
1: I'm on MRT and I see Joanne Pay like super big (laughs) on the, you know, it's it's,
0: it's difficult not to see that. Well, I think that we want to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. So instead of paying somebody to, and taking out a big space, I'd rather take the money that could have gone in a big space and uh, do something with it to, further our social mission, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, develop, uh, say, our planning product better or uh, have uh, advisors trained better, you know, like our advisors actually on the Certified Financial Planner Program, you know, and, and all that. So you have to sacrifice some growth And uh, but my uh, stakeholders and stakeholders understand because we are a social enterprise. Mm-hmm. So we still hold ourselves to trying to grow as much as possible based on numbers. We, we'll probably aim for kind of two, three times growth. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't aim for like twenty times growth because we are not showing anybody to gain any valuation right mm. yeah so that's i guess that's the uh, balance that we have you know mm. we try we, we're very kind of stewardship mindset lah, you know because it's it's not our money is um i would say it's still singaporeans money like because you know NTC belongs to singapore
1: right yeah so that's where we are speaking mm. of singaporeans money i talk. i think let's talk about cpf a bit
0: yeah uh cpf It actually is a great turnaround for CPF and kudos to them in their communications.
1: So I think uh,
0: people now have, I would say, neutral to positive view on CPF. Mm. And I think maybe programs like yours and also in other communities like Sidley that you moderate that actually help to uh, debunk, uh, you know, debunk myths. And CPF is one of those like very good things that just need explanation. But it's just, you know, so good because our government people are so smart, right? So they... (laughs) Very complicated, you know. Mm. (laughs) But it's it's, it's a great turnaround from the times of like, give me back my money movements and all that. Um, How do we think about CPF? Well, you know, CPF is ultimately our national security scheme. And when Money Hour was formed, we incorporate CPF in our advice. Then people got very angry. What's so different? We also do. But a lot of times, optimizing CPF, it means to a lot of advisors, investing your CPF. Mm-hmm. Right. And of course, advisors talk about investing in CPF because that's where they earn the uh, fee, right? The yeah. revenues, right? But actually optimizing CPF is about primarily using tools like top-ups mm-hmm. uh, to make use of their what I call the innate uh, capital guaranteed credit risk-free compounding power, mm. especially in the special account, which is 4% and which is for retirement. So uh, optimizing CPF is recognizing that what you do with CPF now, after it compounds and all that, right, it will build up to an annuity that you get for the for life under the CPF life scheme. Mm-hmm. So, I think I mentioned we have this proprietary money hour CPF analyzer, right? So, yep. so we have this service that of course, you know, money you can come to us to buy insurance, you can come to us to just to, to do investments but our crown jewel, right, is, is our comprehensive financial planning service mm. that uh, we ask you to pay a small fee. It's only like $99 mm. with an advisor consultation. And you see members, 75% off. Wow. Is, uh, because it, it got, uh, SRF, the set board, gave us a grant. Uh. Mm. Um, so the thing is that to understand CPF life, people, a lot of people don't understand Uh, what are the quantums that we're talking about. They know they get some money mm. back from 65 onwards, and monthly, monthly bit and, but the main thing I recognise is that this can go up to $2,000 per person. Mm. Uh, if you're 55 years old today, and you put in the, uh, you have the enhanced retirement sum, right, which is 288, I think. Yeah. Let's run right. up to 300, ah, 300k right. K So, it's 2k per month, 10 years later, mm. for life, you know. Mm. So, not bad, right? <laughs> a
1: lot. Then, if you're a couple, it's 4k. Mm. Again, not bad, right? So, but- I guess the consideration will also be the cost of living. Yes, that's right. But you must
0: recognize that CPF right or rather maybe CPF doesn't talk enough about this is and CPF Life was actually sized to take care of the second quintile of retiree households. Mm. So if you look at the household expenditure survey, right, you, they say actually retirees spend around this if the second quintile. Yep. CPF is the national scheme. It's not meant to be serving like the rich people. Yep. That's not their caps and limits, but you know, it's always the more savvy and the rich will recognise this, like, wow, so good, you know. Mm. And they've tried to find all kinds of ways to optimise, maximise, what SA shielding, and plus housing refund, plus this, this, and this. Mm. So that is what CBF Life is about. And uh, we have advised clients, say, for example, a uh, supermarket cashier. She earns thousand five or so, not not, not, mm-hmm. not high. Uh, but then she heard about us and, and she came to do this comprehensive planning. They said, Actually, you don't need term insurance, you've got no dependence. Mm. You have a, a flat from uh, your father. And again, you know, CPF played a role in building the asset mm. that she can then rent out. And if you just based on your CPF life projection, right, in, when you retire, you can actually get 1003 per month. Mm. So not bad, right, compared to 1005 mm. Yeah. So that's the thing. So to summarise what's so good about CPF, right, it's uh, high interest. Uh, it's an annuity that's guaranteed, so it hedges against longevity risk Mm. and there's no sort of capital risk unless Singapore or something happened. But when you mention cost of living, it's of course about inflation. Now, up to the point that you get your CBF payout, your retirement sum actually does increase by about 3%. is to cater for inflation and increase in standard of living. Mm. However, once you're into your annuity payout, there is no escalation as as such. Like I'm, I'm not talking about selecting the escalating plan. That's a different matter. Mm-hmm. I think that the the way that the CPF uh, payout is constructed does not hedge inflation in retirement very well. Yep. So so that's why uh that there's a limitation of CPF mm-hmm. for younger people. It's not a clear case that you should top up your CPF as a priority. Yes, you should plan for retirement. But CPF is one way street. Uh. Mm-hmm. go in, don't come out. Yes, cannot come out. Yeah. Right. So. Uh, the in retirement realistically for you might be very far away. You have certain other important priorities like uh, having, uh, buying a house, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. so if you top on your CPF, then how you want to buy a house, then, then how, right? Mm. Um. I think we need to be balanced. La. You know, you cannot always be planning only for the future because if you plan only for the future, uh, unless you've got contract with God, you know exactly that you can live. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's about living life meaningfully both now and in the future. And it's also, I think it's not wrong to use CPF to pay for your mortgage because it, CPF is about building your long-term assets, like, I feel. Mm. And a house is a, is also a long-term asset. Uh, for myself, uh, when I stopped work, right, that one gap year, mm. I was uh, servicing a HDV mortgage, only 688 per month. Mm. So after working for nine years, right, I can just go one whole year, right? They just deduct my CPF, I don't have to yeah. think about it. So I benefited from that as well. When cash becomes precious, uh, that's where CPF can actually be your buffer as well. That's it, right? Of course, if you really have access uh, and you you are willing to take the investment risk, you can, of course, invest your true access of CPF. Mm. Uh, you need to uh, you need to sort of understand something. Like, for example, you know, I'll say that maybe now I said I'm said i single, ma, I don't need to do, but in three years' time, if you, you meet someone, you want to get married, you want to buy a house, mm. what can happen? If you invest in this kind of fund, can you take a 20% uh, less down payment funds, You know, for example? So, so that's where advice comes in. Mm. Uh, and so if you want to invest in CPF, make sure that you have uh, the, the time horizon, you understand it. And I'm happy to give you a sneak preview that in a couple of months' time, Definitely, first half, we'll be able to digitally offer uh, CPF OA investments. Yeah, yeah, I think
1: we were definitely excited about that. <laughs> That's right. But so, uh, no no bells and whistles. Huh? We just,
0: we created with two fund managers, uh, these two funds that uh, have no trailers to advisors. Hmm. So there's no need to do rebates and all that It's really painful for, for advisors and platforms. It's like creating CPF. Share class, it's quite a new thing, I think. Mm. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So we're we're working on that. We believe CPF is primarily about using CPF to build up your retirement income. Mm. So that's why CPF investing is like a side show for us, right? And and only now we uh, we completed most of things. Then we sort of use this for completing that full suite and uh, having a supplement uh, over time. I'm confident that clients may start with investing the CPF, but they will understand that actually Money Hour can help stitch together all these other parts of CPA Mm. advice as well and see the value in uh, coming with us. Mm.
1: Mm. But talking about retirement, right, and given the the fact that we are living longer lives, we also might not have longer health spans. Mm. We might be looking at longer working lives. How should we be thinking about retirement and what other trends are you seeing from your perspective? At money, at
0: Yep. So, um, often when we talk about some things, it's actually not really do with finances. It's actually do with life. Yes. And that's because, uh, finance enables life. Mm. Financial goals are not the beyond end. All is really your life goals. So when you talk about retirement and you know longer lifespans, I think we need to really rethink retirement. And I think as you pointed out, many people are rethinking retirement. Mm. So the sort of common concept that people have is that retirement is a destination mm-hmm. it's an absence of something the absence of work la. Mm. you know and you're being free from the grind you go to office and, and all that yep. so this conceptually seems good but if you think why is it that people uh, like this right the absence of work then it must be something wrong with work right? <laughs> <laughs> so I think if, if you think about it then perhaps you need to resolve that mm. uh, and you should not resolve that only through sort of trying to retire as early as possible because then it's it's the absence of something meaningful and you should be pursuing that meaning uh, now Mm. uh, in a balanced way yeah so i think if you enjoy what you're doing then really there's no uh, it's passionate about and you don't really need to care for the income if you do work uh, you want to and perhaps there's no so-called retirement in the in terms of absence of work so let's redefine retirement from a state of what you don't need to do to a state of being able to do what you really want. Mm-hmm. Uh, dimension to that, we think we mentioned physical health. Yep. Very important. Almost health is wealth, they say. Uh, family, but really finding what drives you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the first aspect. On the material side, when we talk about material adequacy within this framework, uh, we always think mainly in terms of the sum of money, some sum of retirement income. Uh, we always say that when you are young, you're scared you die too young, right? when you're older, you're scared you don't die soon enough. <laughs> the fear is about running out of money. Mm. The retirement planning or retirement thought in Singapore and with regards to say investments and all that it's not very advanced when it comes to withdrawal. Mm. Uh, investing for retirement or investing in retirement is quite different from uh, investing in accumulation. Yep. But a lot of financial advisors, banks all that, all focus on the accumulators because they're the you know, wealthy ones. Yes. Um, and in the mass market, there's there's almost a misconception that once you are retired, you put in fixed deposit. You know, mm. you cannot take risk. Yes, and it sounds it sounds logical, but actually, if you think about it, if if you're going to live to eighty or hundred, and you do retire at sixty five, mm. you do have the time horizon to take some risk, and you should. Yep. Otherwise you will be having to have a very big capital sum at retirement. Mm. So this is something that we've been trying to educate Singaporeans about as well, that you have the ability and you should take some market risk. Mm. and uh, But you just have to be aware of very specific risks, such as what we call a sequence of returns risk, uh, whereby if you withdraw a certain amount, a fixed amount, every year and in, and have an inflation adjusted component especially to it, you are dependent on your luck to some extent. If you withdraw, let's say $1,000 per month from a portfolio of say half a million dollars and the market starts going down for a few years before it recovers, hmm. you actually can deplete your resources faster than if you were withdrawing in uh, up then down market mm. so this is what cost sequence of returns risk and this is where this is about financial planning it's not about investment product so, so we are we have in money trying to make such solutions available to Singapore mass market uh, in a space that is not very well research understood uh, but when it comes to material adequacy then the other lens to put on is that this income is important but it's only one of what we call three must-haves and this is what CPF talks about as well the, what are the three must-haves in retirement? One is actually a roof over your head. Mm-hmm. So, a fully paid house. Yep. The second is medical insurance because you're very scared of medical, right? And what kind of medical insurance? It's really the, you know, go hospital or chronic illness type. So, it's our kind of like shield insurance. And the third then is this retirement income. Both in sort of normal living and in disabled living. Mm. Now, in all of these schemes in Singapore, we build using national schemes like CPF, the base. Yep. So so we treat government really as like trampoline, you know. That's why I said right? we, it's a safety net, but it's also a trampoline. Mm. So we, when you provide a safe floor, you are freer to take some risk and, and, and do the additional part according to your desires. So... What are these uh, national schemes for housing, medical insurance, uh, retirement income, uh, disabled living income? Mm. Well, they are the CPF that helps you pay your mortgage, the uh, then if you want to top up, it's the integrated shift plan, mm. you pay more, CPF life and uh, cash Life. life. Yeah. The housing part in Singapore is provided for mainly through home ownership over time. Mm-hmm. In a foreign country, it might not really be so. Yeah. That's where you have to cater for rental, but that doesn't apply in Singapore. So some of the very common things like, you know, 75% of last drawn income is, as an re- income replacement in financial planning may not really apply in that way. Mm-hmm. So, so if you refer it from that lens and you know I told you the story about the cashier from the supermarket mar- mm. who inherited a HDB flat and can rent out a flat, yep. uh, a room for income. I mean, those are all assets that uh, maybe people in other countries do not have or, or do not have the in the same way. Mm. Yeah. So let's let's go back to the money one, uh, the cash, the sum of cash. What do you really need and how do you build it? So firstly, structure it such that your die-die-must-have income comes from CPF Mm. because CPF pays for life. In fact, it's such a good annuity plan that it almost killed the if, if it's not really killed already, the <laughs> private annuity plan, you know, because the insurance look very bad, you see. Mm. So they, they do have, like, it's actually called a retirement income plan and that can be a second layer. Uh, there's a, some degree that is capital guaranteed. The returns are not great, but at least you have the smoothing effect and some, uh, some level of stability. So that can be the second layer of your... Uh, retirement income. Then your third layer can be investments, which then can you will need to mitigate that sequence of returns risk, but uh, through various ways, and there are various ways to withdraw. And uh, you can do it, for example, through a dividend product, like we have a wise income product we co created with Fullerton, mm-hmm. or you can apply a withdrawal rule to a, a, a a low-cost balance fund. Uh, that, that is, uh, these are all the solutions that we talk through for clients. So you sort of have different layers of income. The Dai Dai must have income, you use the most stable ones, you know, yes. like max out your CPA, mm. max out your payouts. Yeah, trampoline. That's right, yeah. Then the rest is can have some variability. So there's a lot of debate, right? What is enough? And there was this figure about from Lee Kuan Yew School and at the NTU. they say that how much does a family of four need and all Mm. that basic needs. It should be a living wage and all that, right? And on the retirement space, they said CPF, uh, basic retirement sum only gives about 800 monthly. Mm. But they calculated uh, um, basic needs about 1,004, you know. So if 1,004, then basic retirement sum only gives you 56%. Yeah. Then that
1: discrepancy of six hundred, where is it going to come from? That's right. right. Yeah.
0: Then government going quarrel law because you know you come up with a lot of good schemes. Then you say it actually is insufficient, right? <laughs> so of course, uh, government object and and all that. So looking at it, right? You say okay, I don't know whether it's really eight hundred or thousand four, but CPF life can give you thousand four. If you max out to FRS, mm. uh, full retirement sum, or even more at the enhanced retirement sum level. But mm. the other way that I like to look at it is that currently median household income is probably about 9000 or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And from our research, we find that around half are actually this kind of living expenses. Mm. The other, maybe about 20%, is a mortgage. And then there's another uh, part that maybe do Things like cars and and and, uh, other things that are more tied to working related expenses. Mm. So if you imagine that you don't actually have the mortgage should be paid up, the kids if any out of the house, etc. Right. Uh maybe about half of that seems reasonable in today's dollars. And actually half of it is about four thousand plus. So if CPF Life as a couple can give you, let's say about four thousand it can cover actually a big part of it. Mm. So, I mean, that's why in uh, Money hour we always want to, when you do a comprehensive planning, we uh, and you pay us a fee, we are able to run the things and tell you these things because it actually means maybe you don't need to buy anything from us uh, or you don't have to buy uh, as much, you know, uh, in the commercial space because you already have these very good uh, national solutions. Uh, and we have done that before. We have actually people come and, and we may personally ask we say, "Oh, I want to buy your one-dimensional fund you know they said what have you done with your CPF life they said I don't Uh, I'm only getting 500 le- do you know that you can do more mm. uh, so please don't give me that how many hundred thousand please put it in CPF <laughs> <Ayah>, I was thinking know, <laughs> my business is gone <laughs> but it's not true because uh, everything we look long term mm-hmm. That you know as we do the right thing by clients that uh, they will appreciate that. They know that it's in their best interest.
1: I think we had a really good chat today on CPFI. I always, always have a quick fire round of like, questions for all my guests. So the first one is, what is the most expensive item you have bought which you regret buying?
0: I, I don't think I, I actually regret <laughs>
1: things so. because I, I I don't
0: attach myself a lot to money in in that sense. But I would guess if I were to say it's like things that clutter up my house, like like books. You know, I actually have quite a number of finance related books. I love your yeah.
1: house and how that there, how there's so many books. But yeah.
0: okay, maybe maybe some facial package You know <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that you always get up. So then after.
0: You want to go, right? It's like, COVID, lah, not enough appointment. I mean, those, those are always the sort of
1: And then by the impulse. time you get around to it, I mean, they close down already, right? And that yeah. would be like the worst. Okay. But, but so fun, no, like,
0: no. yeah. Mm.
1: Okay, cool. The second one is, what is the most expensive item you've bought which you actually don't regret? It means you got a lot of utility out of it.
0: Mm. I suppose um my current place, mm. yeah, which you have been to. Yes, it's <laughs> yeah. beautiful. So it's a kind of old condo, but... With a lot of space around, a lot of greenery. The kids have fun in the pool, and it feels a little bit scary when you first when you first buy something. Mm. Uh, that is a different quantum. Uh, but the like I said, you know, you cannot just be saving all your money for for the future when which might never come. Yeah, so I think I that's expensive, but I won't say I regret.
1: The third one is what is the lowest amount you've had in your bank account after the age of twenty one. <laughs> I think it's ten dollars or something. Is it? Yeah. When was
0: it? Okay. It was probably in ninety seven, ninety eight. Mm. And I distinctly remember this because because we just got married and just started work and I don't sure whether it's the case now, but your minimum withdrawal from Post Bank is twenty dollars, you know. Mm. So I was want to make sure that if you have thirty dollars, you don't withdraw twenty dollars. <laughs> like, you redraw thirty dollars, <laughs> you withdraw thirty dollars because you not the next time, so <laughs> you cannot So that was how anything. sad it was, right? And then I, 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 and, and I so I distinctly remember being in that situation. What uh, what yeah. age
1: were you? I uh, mean, if I bet. probably about 22 20 Okay, yeah,
0: because it was partly because of getting married young and all and all that. You know, it's just coming back to work and uh, yeah. So so it has happened before. <laughs> No. So that was the amount. I think probably about $10. I think that was the mistake of redrawing 20 instead of 30.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, the fourth one is what is the best money advice you've received? And if you're in this space, you would have heard so many things. They should all be quite good, but what is the best?
0: Godliness with contentment is great gain. Overall, it's about. Uh, being at peace, understanding contentment. Because if money is becomes a goal, really, there's never enough. It's the same with status. Mm. Uh, it's the same with a lot of things. And contentment is not a passive, uh, be an accept, you know, I just have to accept this. Contentment is actually something active where you understand what is most important for you in life and what is less important. Mm. Uh, then you won't chase everything. Because you actually don't need everything to be living uh, sort of in a fulfilled and meaningful and happy way. Mm.
1: So now, you know, with that in mind, and I guess the last question maybe wouldn't be that relevant, but then I'll just ask you anyway. If you had $10 million in your bank today, would your life be any different? <laughs> actually, not, re-
0: not really. Uh, some years ago, I was at the, you know, the NTC Social Enterprises, so number of CEOs and all that. And, uh, we always have this joke around Chinese New Year, right? Mm. Uh must buy the Angpao draw, right? Because Angpao draw is about 10 million Mm -hmm. and all that, right? So then someone was like, hey, shall we go and buy together, you know, and all this, right? Mm. I said, "Um, I cannot buy, I said, like, if I, what if I win? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) if I win, how am I going to face my clients? How am I going to continue doing this (laughs) job, right? (laughs) Because the prospect of, not being able to continue to build a company and the offerings and all that uh. I mean
1: you you could totally continue and right? there's nothing preventing you yeah, from continuing yeah but I, I sort of thought that would like kind of send the wrong signal you know that's <laughs> like the thing it's only the let's say public perspective yeah but right. I mean that's a
0: joke uh. that is a joke <laughs> but I actually did worry a little bit that I might win yeah
1: <laughs> yeah I mean because I mean it's a common occurrence on the C D forum whenever like there's a big winner like the recent one that was like 10 million and split into two so two people like were like we had 5 million dollars overnight and then the thing is like oh is anybody like quitting their job tomorrow oh. you know that kind of thing and that's the immediate thing right whenever somebody has money and it's like okay I'm gonna quit my job tomorrow I'm gonna like you know like throw my resignation letter and my then boss. maybe you should create a job today anyway <laughs> right <laughs> or work towards something else
0: I, I can't say for sure of course Yeah, but the um, there's more to life than income and money and uh, that's where money is an enabler
1: yeah mm. yeah and yeah i think that we actually had a lot of good takeaways so thank you for spending the time today with us
0: yeah thanks for having me junice yeah i really enjoyed chatting <laughs> Probably I mean, a bit too much,
1: we're looking we're looking forward to the CPFOA product, which sure. you say that will come out in April thereabouts.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, I let's mean, not commit let, let, to anything. Okay. H one twenty twenty two. I'm I'm This <laughs> is it, not me, right? It's probably my tech guys sweating, so <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't have to stress them too much. <laughs> okay, I hope they're not listening to this because they will. Oh my god. All right, with that, we've come to the end of today's episode. And for listeners who want to find out more about Money Owl, they can go to moneyowl.com.sg. Many thanks as well to all of you out there for tuning in. This has been a fantastic conversation and we would definitely love to hear what you think about it. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us through the email podcasts at melisten.sg.com or at my Instagram at MissFitFi. Aside from that, if you enjoy what you're listening to and want to hear more, please help to spread and grow the show by subscribing on MeListen or Apple Podcasts, or by following on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Finally, the Building Financial Fitness Podcast is an original production from Mediacorp and recorded at Skate Live Studios' The Pod, powered by Audio-Technica and City Music. Episode production is done by Junus Yu, with editing and support by Danny Cordy and Gareth Fernandez. Once again, I'm your host and BFF, Junas Yu. Until the next time.